Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name is Colm and this is The Sober Mess. Today I am absolutely delighted to be joined by a very good friend from the other end of the world, <laughs> the other side of the world. He's tuning in uh, from Thailand, uh, my good pal Jason. Jason, Jason is the he's a former he's a founder and a former owner of Men's Cold Barbershop. So if you ever got a dodgy haircut down in Dunleary, it's probably because of Jason. <laughs> he's an absolute gentleman, and he's a man that I am I'm very motivated by, especially when it came to traveling. Jason kind of. Jason was a guy, he was working hard, he had he has his business set up, you know, and he was flat out and he just wanted to go and travel and he went and travel and, and seen another side of the world and that kind of motivated him to say, Roy, there's more to the world out. I wanna I wanna do a bit of exploring and uh, you know, and he, he packed up and, and went and done that, knocked the business on the head and just went went and seen the other side of the world, which I thought was very brave. And it's he's one of the people that motivated me to do do something similar. And uh, I just think it was such a brave, beautiful thing to do. Um, so Jason, what is the crack? How are you, man? Colin, how are you doing, me? Good to have you on. How are you getting on? Thanks, thanks, thanks a million for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to have you, man. Absolute pleasure. So, how's uh, how's Thailand treating you? Yeah, Thailand's good, mate. Um, it's hot. It's actually not too bad here this evening. But I mean, not too bad here this evening is uh, is a damn sight different than uh, than back home. It's probably about on seven o'clock in the evening. It's probably about twenty nine degrees outside. That's mad, man. It's, it's it's dark, but you you know what it's like. You were here very not too long ago. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's and just the weather. Like, do you know what I actually missed when I was in Thailand when I was traveling? I missed the mm. cold water of Ireland. Like I missed the forty four. Yeah. Getting in the sea, I remember. So getting hot soup, and I just find getting yeah. in the sea over here. It's just the the coldness of the water just triggers all them feel good chemicals. And people think I'm not going to say that, man. But it's just there's something amazing about the cold water. It's just if you could have the Irish Cold War and the and the son of Thailand, that would be the perfect mix. Yeah, I've I've contemplated like the the, the cold water therapy sort of gotten very popular with uh, with Wim Hof and stuff like that, and I've, I see loads of people doing it all over the world on on Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff, and I've contemplated uh, going and buying a few bags of ice and throwing it into a bath <laughs> and filling it up, but uh, I've never done it. Funny enough. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's never been something. It's never been something that I've been into. In fact, <laughs> I remember, I remember times being in Ireland, and uh, you know, when I was younger, when we would go to places like the Forty Foot and and all around the coast there, and uh, and the lads getting in, and I, I'm just like, no, no, thank you. And this was obviously well before anybody knew any of the, like, it, it, the benefits of, of it were popular. You know that way. Yeah. Um, I remember being down in Bullock Harbour at the. Uh, the gully is it? Then mm-hmm. the big jump at Bullock Harbour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, just looking over the edge, going, nope, yeah. nope. And I had my swimming gear and everything. No, nope, no thanks. That that's a big uh, jump though. 
yeah, it did not interest me at all. So, you know, I quite happily uh, waddle into the little pool here beside me and um, when it's, you know, probably about 10 degrees or 15 degrees. Lovely. Yeah. Toasty. No, nice and toasty. Yeah, it's mad, man. It's, mm. like, I was down on the 40 foot the other day and I was talking to my mate and I was like, oh, I can't wait till like November, December till the water is <laughs> getting really cold. And someone was just all, like over here to say and said, "What are you mad? Like, you know, what is wrong with you? Yeah, what's wrong <laughs> with you? Um, but it's actually at the moment, man. Like everyone's getting into sea swimming, especially with the lockdown, especially with the Dublin lockdown. Like, forty mm. four is like Christmas Day that for the last few weeks, it's just so busy. Everyone's getting into, which is a good thing that people are finding all these natural uh, resources." at their doorstep, mm. you know, be it like going for walks up the mountain or walks up Cloyney Hill or the 40 foot getting in the sea, you know, which is great to see young and old people and, and just doing it for the first time. We've seen a guy, geez, he was in his 80s and he was getting into the sea. He only got into sea, sea dipping um, this like this month and he's from Dunleary, which I thought was powerful. Yeah, like. yeah well, there's always been, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the type of person that if I was going doing that before everybody else, when everybody else showed up, I'd be raging. I'd be like, who are these fucking Instagram cunts? <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was here before it was cool. That's what I like with the sea dip. It's like when you go travelling and yeah. you're in a good band and you come home and people are listening to it. Like, yeah, I, I heard of uh, I heard of uh, Kings of Leon before. Yeah. I, I discovered and, and no, And nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> ever cares. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Callum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I remember a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, um, you know, his parents were, were, you know, part of the 40-foot club. Like, when we were growing up, like, the, there was a gang of them that met every every Saturday or Sunday or every Sunday, I think. I think they, they actually probably met every morning, but obviously his parents worked and stuff. So, whenever they were on holidays or the weekends, and like, the odd time we'd be over early and, and you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, they'd be putting... Uh, flasks of tea together and they'd, they'd put like bits of food together and, and they'd go down and they'd have their breakfast and, and every single day of the year there was a group down there you know cracking on mm-hmm. um, so there, there is sort of there's always been an original sort of um, group of, of, of sea dippers in the 44 so, you know it's always been a very popular spot for that traditionally you know yeah. um, and, and now it's become very popular and I've seen like I've seen White Rock is absolutely destroyed with people as well. It's, yeah. it's like, it looks like people are queuing up to get into it. Now it's it's beautiful. It looks absolutely... I've never been down there. I've only been at the gap at the top. I've never actually been down to the sea there. Have you been to um, the White Rock? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, what's okay. White Rock now? Uh, is yeah, that not the same? Yeah, White Rock. No, so I, I used to call it... I thought it was the Vico. For years I was calling it the Vico. I remember going to Darkie. Sorry, mate, do you know where the Vico is? I'm going for the Vico. <laughs> And someone's like, oh, the, Vi- the Vico, is it? Oh, the Vico, yeah. It's up there, mate. I was like, oh, yeah. Geez, one, of the, one of the best parts about listening, I've, I've been listening to this podcast, and one of the best parts about this podcast is listening to you absolutely massacre the English language. You just, <laughs> you just pick and choose whatever words sound like. You have your, your complete own vocabulary. The, the name of the barbershop that I owned was Men's Hair Co. What did I say? Men's Co. <laughs> <laughs> men's go men's hair go okay I know it's, man. it's I know. the best part of your podcast mate. Oh, it do, is. Not, do not lose it you can sit there and point out all the typos the variable typo yeah yeah and you can give me the finger yeah yeah I love it man <laughs> so come here Jay tell us a bit about your journey man like how, how did you get into barbering oh barbering um, 
I I suppose in my, when I was sort of 15, 16, um, I started getting, getting into my hair, my own hair. Um, obviously, I'm trying to go out and pull a few bjors, as they say, and I uh, <laughs> you know, started growing, growing my hair and, you know... Um, but then, was, that, you know, was that when we used way too much brill cream and Lynx Africa? There was links. There was probably links Africa involved, but I was I was I was more of a red Dax man. Okay, and uh, Dax wax and yes, Dax hair hair straightener and Dax wax. Love it, spice. So, uh, spice boy, yeah. Um, it was never well. Yeah, I, I can try and justify it as much as I want. It was horrific, but yeah, I I, I started off by trying to get in, like getting into my own hair, and, and then always the idea was in my head that you know I, I wouldn't mind being a hairdresser. You know, like I I seen you know lads working in hairdressers um like that were surrounded by all these like unbelievably like you know glamorous beautiful women and uh that sounded at 16 or 17 that sounded like a good idea to me and um you know i liked i loved the idea of like doing hair of at shows or doing hair at um fashion shows or you know all that sort of stuff yeah and uh, when i was maybe 19 or 20 I went. I, I I sort of got this mad idea that I'll go into uh, Peter Marks in in Blackrock and I'll ask them if they have any um, apprenticeships going or blah blah blah. And I went in and I don't know what the result of it was, but that was sort of the first um, glimmer of me, you know, maybe st- t- dipping me toe in in the hair world. And then, well, I I suppose I had always been. Um, I'd always been more creative than anything else, you know, that way uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm no good at maths. Um, I, I'm decent with languages and, and I, I was always into art. I was always drawing. I was always, I done art all the way through school. So what happened was um, I got enough points. I went to DIT, Angel Street, um, and uh I just went off the rails, just went off the wall. You know, I mean, the freedom of of college and not actually having to show up, uh, nobody checking on you, nobody gave a shit whether you were there or not, or whether you failed or passed. Yeah, no discipline. Um, like... Yeah, no, no, yeah, no checks. No, yeah, no. And, and, I, and I was just by by the time I was eighteen, you know, from sort of fourteen, fifteen to eighteen, I was an absolute head case, you know, that way, and mm. um, and. Uh, Yes, yeah, so, so college didn't work out. So I, I failed. I failed first year, repeated it. Don't think I even bothered to do the exams the second time I tried to do first year. And then I fannied around with a, a little uh, business course at, at PLC. So like, this is how unmanageable my life was. I went from, uh, I went from a, a, a level seven degree. So there's level eight is, is a, like a, like a good degree or something like the best degree or whatever and i, I got a level seven for us auctioneers in the state like auctioneering in the state agency and i went from that and i went instead usually people who don't get enough points for a level seven go to a plc which is a post leaving cert and i went backwards people usually go plc and then they jump into a level seven or a level eight in in college you know that way but like, i went backwards just what you're saying there, you know, you said about going off like off the rails, but I always found that really hard in school as well. Like we like with the compare like it's like you have two battles going on. You have the crowd that you're hanging around with and and focusing on skill. But I found like 
like I found it real hard to focus on school because I was hanging around all pals that were just mad into session and I'm mad into going out and then the other side of it my, my school work was kind of wasn't be going great and I was like what, what's more important and at that age you know you're just trying to fit in and get have the crack like so I was like mm. you're just buzzing with all the lads and having the sessions and then the school work is getting affected by it like you know what I mean and it's real hard to kind of keep it all a balance like you know what I mean yeah, well, I think the problem is is that, like, for me, a lot of the people that I hung around with, even though we went on piss-ups and we drank heavily and we enjoyed ourselves, like, they, they done well. They, they done much better than me, you know the mm-hmm. way? Um, a lot of them, most of them done, done much better than me, a lot of them. And it's a culture thing, you know, that way it depends on what... It depends on really, like, uh, heavily depends on, you know, the nature versus nurture thing that, like, yeah. you know, if, if you're going to... A lot of the people I hung around with went to Cloche Town, which is an Irish school in Dublin, and, and it's always um, like number one or two, or it's very high in the rankings in terms of leaving cert results every year. There's mm. like, you know, the way, so there's a culture of achievement in that school. So you go to that school, and people think you're a prick if you're messing around. Do you know the way? People, people are like, oh, your man, your man only got 40%. You know what I mean? Whereas if you went to the, so the first secondary school that I went to, uh, was the compo in 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 Sally Noggin, Holy Child, and I was a prick because I got moved into the higher level class, and I and I always done I done all right, you know that way. Mm. But you know that way. So it's that, there's a culture thing there. So but like it's like you're saying, like even though the people that I hung around with when I was sort of fifteen to fifteen to twenty one, you know, even though we all partied together, you know, they got most of them got better results in their leaving cert. And it was sort of, there was that, like I said, it was that culture in, in their school. And when they went into college, they fucking, they went to college. They went to lectures and they studied. And, um, and you know, we might go out and get messed up on the weekend, but they'd, they'd show up for college. Yeah. And, you know, whereas I was always available. You know that way? Yeah. Look, <laughs> you know that way? I found that mad. But people, like, like what you said, people knew went to stop. Like I remember coming home from school mm. and I, I got suspended for going on the hop and I remember going into school that day my mum was like when I got the suspension was lifted, my mum was like Colin please whatever you do just don't go on the hop just go into school go to class just beg me you won't get you won't go on the hop stay away from them lads and just focus on the school work. and I said mum I promise you I won't. I'm going to go straight into school and then I remember going into school that day and there's lads in the hall and they're like oh John's going on the hop Colin will go with you and I remember hmm. where you got Colin, you're going to hop. And I was like, oh, yeah, 100%. Because the, it was just my head, the fear of them saying, oh, he's a snap, you don't go on the hop. Yeah. Bigger than the fear of getting into trouble in school or failing my, gra- my, my exams or letting my ma down. You know, that my, hmm. I was so focused on what the lads thought. I was freaked out to say, no, I'm not going on the hop because I didn't want anyone to think I was sap or I was uncooled. Whereas if it was one of them, they said, oh, no, I can't do it. I'm at the promise of my ma. I'd, I'd go to mm. school. So it's mad how we think differently, like. Yeah. It's a difficult time, though, for anyone that sort of age. Like, you know, that, that 18, particularly 18 to 21 is, um, for for males particularly, it's, you know, statistically, it's 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 a time when a lot of males, you know, it's it's a difficult time. A lot of, a lot of guys, you know, it's when, you know, they get hit with, with things like, you know, massive anxiety, depression, um, schizophrenia, like, the, you know, that 18 yeah. to 21, what I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely butchering some sort of science here, but I think it is some sort of, um, 
a de- developmental sort of time, you know, when you, a lot of guys either go one way or another, you know, that way. And but lads who are who are sort of predisposed to go one way in, in the wrong way, if they're not careful and if they're not looked after and checked, um, yeah, and it's it, it goes pear shaped often, you know. Yeah, and the swim skills you go into them are so busy. Like your classes with just 40, 50 kids and there's just one teacher. And like, and this, there is, like, I, I had dyslexia growing up, like, you know, and if you're not, mm. go, and the teachers just haven't got the resources to say, to slow down, you didn't pick something up, and the, just the bottom mm. kids sit at the back, and I hate the word ball, but you know, the kids that are kind of getting into trouble are sitting down the back of the class, and they're just getting forgotten about, you know, and it's just like this, people just haven't got the resources to help kids that just it's not that they can't learn they just need a different way of learning and i had to develop my kind of own learning styles to help me retain the information but it's only something that i learned when i was an adult when i was it went back to college in my 20s that i was in school was a washover like skill was right off for me like you know but it's when i went back and got, got educated in my 20s when i was a bit more mature and had a bit more cop on and i found out that like it was different ways of learning and retaining and holding the information like Hmm. It go, it comes. I mean, it's it's you know people come from different backgrounds as well. You know what I mean? Massively different, and that support is um from home is is huge. You know that way, and you know, like not everybody has that, and it makes a difference. You know mm. that way, like um, you know, I mean, for for me, it was very much like um, it was like, do you have a bed to sleep in? Great. Do you, is the food on the table? Amazing. Mm. Anything. Pretty much anything other than that was, um, you know, was not really, you know, nobody really cared, you know, that way. And, uh, you know, that may, may, that's not an excuse or a resentment. It's a fact, you know, that way. So, like, yeah. in order for me to move on um, with with things, like, I needed to acknowledge all of that stuff. Okay, this yeah. these were the, this is the hand you were dealt, right? That's fine. Right, so deal with the resentments. Yeah, he's a he's a bollocks for that, and they should have done this, and you should have had that, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. There's always somebody. There's always somebody who's been worse off than you and done yeah, better. One percent. And uh, like despite of all that, so yeah. deal with all that. Work out all the resentments and all the problem. You know, blah blah blah. Right. What are you gonna do now? Yeah. Right. This is what you have. What are you gonna do with that? Mm. You know that way, and that's sort of again something that um I, I eventually figured out. Um, when it, when I was sort of in and around twenty one, um, mm-hmm. when I was supposed to get back to the the barber and thing was that you know uh, I I figured out that I was I was uh, the the way I was behaving in my life wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't very productive, <laughs> wasn't very conducive with a with a long life when, or with a, a a good life. When did you realize though that you were talking about like your partying and your session and the guys around? Like the guys were able to show up and pass the exams, whereas you weren't. Like, when did you realize that difference? When did you come to say, Hey, well, how come my session and partying is different to theirs? Like, um, probably, probably around the end of my first year, uh, my first failed college year, about uh, 19. Because, like, not that I, you know, I didn't do anything about it till I was 21, but around. Mm, the end of that year like when like it's all laughs and jokes and the, the class that I was with in college were a fucking bunch of headbangers like the stuff that we got up to was just it, it was it was probably like some of the most fun I've ever had in my life but we were like we were reprobates like we we, we even the the tutor or the, the 
the heady year or whatever the you know the the form form cute or whatever whatever he was called called he could not get believe that he had that we were he had, that there was such a bad group in in the one college year because people kind of go to college and they meet a friend or they you know but we all because we kind of had a small class we it was just like the perfect storm of of, of head cases that we we got together and we just sessioned non-stop yeah. um but at the end of that first year it was like there was only me and you know me and t- say two others who were left behind and uh and people that we were partying with were moving on to the next year and it was like ha 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 this is great fun but you've just you know realistically you've just put yourself back a year in life of if you even had a life plan which i didn't you were now a year behind on it um so that was when i first kind of probably sussed it and like you know the, the way I, like i drank and partied different to everybody in terms like it became obvious that like you know blackouts and uh you know the the the, the Jacqueline and Hyde sort of like the, the drastic change in my personality when when there was drink on board it became sort of more apparent um, and when people start sort of saying Jace that was a bit fucked up yeah. <laughs> last night or you know what I mean but it was so selfish like that it took me it took me another two years to actually take responsibility you know that way yeah it's fine it took me, it took me two two years of getting worse two years of becoming more of an arsehole in another way yeah um yeah, that's kind of when I suppose I first realised that the wheels were coming off, and I I actually pulled up my socks in the when I started, you know, new beginnings. I started the the second my second attempt that first year, and you know I had the 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 books and I got all the new stationery in the folders and I put all the names on the different folders for the different subjects and you know this was this time was going to be different, and um, I did college starts late like probably middle of September or something, and. Uh, by by October, I had I had stayed. I was staying off the drink, and I I gotten a new job, and I was paying because this is another actually. I, I'll tell that story after, but I was paying for my my my, my college the 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 um registration fee and stuff like that, which was about eight hundred quid, and um I wasn't I wasn't drinking. I was off everything. Blah, it was great, and uh, somebody managed to convince me to go on a road trip to Carlo for a, a piss up, and. Uh, <laughs> literally like i mean I, this was i was on my way home with me new folders on, under my arm and this person managed to 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 twist my rubber arm at about del Carlo. <laughs> yeah exactly at about six or half six in the evening and uh so uh yeah i i went and i ended up uh writing off someone's car that we were with and um, went out to get a packet of smokes out of the glove compartment and uh, had never driven in my life. Um, turned the keys in the ignition to put on the light to find smokes in the glove box, and the the engine started. And um, it was seemed like a great idea to take a first spin. Um, managed to move the car out of the the hostel that we were staying in, out of the the driveway, and uh, some like just tore the gearbox out of it. Like was blind, blind drunk. Like I'd never dr- driven in my life. Somehow managed to get the car out of the driveway about 100 yards down the road. Um, it's not really funny, but, uh, you know, put put the car up on, like, a road island when I was trying to turn it, um, bent the axle. Um, this was 2007. car was 2005, which was pretty new. And uh, so I wrote the car off because, obviously, the, the cost of, it, of fixing it was more than the value of the car. 
and uh, I put myself into like eight grand of debt in about 10 minutes, you know, and, uh, you know, that was sort of, that was a huge event. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's, you know, that's what, like, that's the sort of thing when I tried to, when I tried to sort things out or get, get things going right on my own, you know, it ended up worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, it was, so, I was so, like, this is how dumb I was, right? Because of my background and my, the way I came up, I got a grant to go to college. And the grant was like three grand cash a year, something like that. Three, maybe three and a half grand cash. And my, my college registration fees paid, which is your um, 800 quid at the time per year, DIT. And uh, but you only get it as long as you pass the year. So I would like I not only by pa- by not passing, not only did I not put myself back a year and not pass college, and you know I I also done myself out of it. Like one of the the one of the good things that I could get in life, considering where where I came from, you know the way it was just it was so stupid. And so the second year the, when I went to repeat, I was uh, so far on the back foot, you know that way. Like my ego was bruised because my friends were in the next year, and I was I was getting into class with people that were new for the first time in the class and it's just like the embarrassment like the ego was, was damaged the, financially I was knackered and and you know I was getting I was getting worse in terms of my behavior you know that way so it was just yeah it was a mess yeah and like what <clears throat> what do you think was like the when when, it, when did it get bad enough for you to say right I need to address this like when did it go from uh, just the Irish culture the, the college kid having the crack to shit I need to address like I have it like I have an issue with alcohol I need to address this um so around uh May 2009 I um I was in a relationship and um that came to an end um <laughs> abruptly um because because of my behavior and uh that person told me that I was selfish and that was like, I'd been self- selfish my whole life. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard somebody say it. And for the next uh, May, June, July, June, July, August, three months, yeah, June, July, August, all I could see was all of my negative behavior and how much of a, um, how, how much of a, a dirtbag I'd become in terms of like I was using people manipulating people um, you know I, I was a bum I wasn't going anywhere in my life I could see how all of my motive, motives were all you know self driven I was just me 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 and uh, that was horrific and I was drinking on that as well you know that way so I was like crocodile tears and you know I'd get fucking twisted and then be ups and then I'd start thinking about it so for me, um, you know, there was a point where alcohol was sort of the solution for me, like where, where you know, life on life's terms was not some something that I wanted to deal with at all. And not because it was particularly horrific. It could have been great. I just didn't want to deal with reality. So I was in full slice from reality. And uh, alcohol at one point was, was sort of the, like made it easier to 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 be in reality and uh, and then like i said towards the end um it wasn't doing that i was getting worse 
you know, the way I was getting more upset and more uh, depressed and more, um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that was three months for a solve. And like, I, I had, had inclinations that, you know, suspicions that it was, it, you know, I, I kind of had this little thought in the back of my head, a little um, theory that most of the things that I've done or that have gone wrong in my life from when I was the age of like 15, you could probably quite closely link alcohol to them. I was either drunk or getting drunk or on the way to get drunk or had been drunk. And that little theory was running around in the back of my mind and I started to speak it out loud. I start, I said it a couple of times to a few people. Do you know what I mean? I said it to a few different people. <clears throat> and once, once that kind of, once that talk came out of my mouth, you know, that way, um, that that sort of stuff is sort of the beginning of the end, you know, that way. And then mm-hmm. remember somebody asking me, um, do you think, do you think you're an alcoholic, do you? And uh, that was an uncomfortable thing for somebody to ask me, like ego-wise, you know, that way, a group of lads. I was, in a group, I was in a car with a group of lads and the driver said, Jesus, Brophy, do you think you're an alcoholic, do you? And, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know. And that's, you know, probably, that was probably the first time I said, I don't know. Do you know that way? Yeah. The last thing I ever wanted to be was an alcoholic because, <clears throat> uh, because my mother was, you know that way? And, and all of the, the stuff that, all of the stuff that sort of I experienced in, with, with my mother, I was becoming the, um, the, 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 the person who was inflicting that, you know, that way I was, yeah. I was starting to adopt all those behaviors, and that's bad. That was th- th- that was sort of the yeah the beginning of the end. And I suppose one other major sort of incident was that I remember I was visiting my mother at the time in in uh, John of God's, um, and uh, I had been in John of God's visiting my mother dozens of times over my lifetime, and. Uh, I was walking back. I lived quite close to it at the time and I was walking back and uh, I was like, you're not far off ending up in there. My, my mental state, like my mind was so savage that I, I was, I was remember thinking, I remember distinctly, like the sort of thoughts, like thoughts come up all the time, you know what I mean? Every day, this specific thought was like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be in there soon. Because I think that visit, I had seen somebody who was on the ward with her who wasn't, that much different in age to me and was there for pretty similar reasons you know and uh you know that sort of frightened me as well you know um yes that, like i said that was sort of the beginning of the end for me and a lot of a lot of a lot of my friends that i had that i that i loved you know the way i thought i loved um that i leaned on that i you know took for granted manipulated um a lot of them started to get pain in their hole and started walking away and you could feel that they weren't super excited when you showed up, you know the way? Mm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's powerful, man. And you, you said so much stuff there, you know, and, you know, going back to what you said, you know, that the alcohol wasn't the problem for you, it was the solution, you know, where you get to that, where, where life is your problem, just dealing with life, dealing with emotions, dealing with stress, the stress of life on life's terms and, just the relief mm. you get when you take that drink, you know, when you mm. feel the buzz. And I, <clears throat> I remember feeling like that as well, you know, just feeling like stressed out. Look, I'll just have a drink just to take the edge off. 
And then as soon as I had one or two, you know, it just went on to fucking party mode. You know, it didn't matter if it was at my, my nanny's tea party. As soon as I had a drink or two in my head, I went into stag mode. Like it could be in, in, on a stag and Magaluf, like as soon as I had a few drinks, like no matter where yeah. it was. But I think what separated us, well, I don't speak for myself, was that when I drank, I needed to drink, whereas other people wanted to drink just to have the crack, mm. take the edge off, watch yeah. the Champions League on a Wednesday. Whereas I don't like because of social anxiety, or you could yeah. say the relief of that inner that inner turmoil that I was feeling, you know, and and, and things like yeah. that. And, and the other thing you said as well, I loved what, what you were saying about your mom, and it's like that old cliche, you know, where you hear guys, you know, I, I, it's in a film, and I can't think of the film off the top of my head, but it's like, oh, I, I don't, I, I don't want people that try so hard not to become their, like their dad, say, for example, that they end up doing it anyway, that they become mm. the person they were trying to avoid, to, to trying to prevent coming the most, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, and it is, it is it's, it's mad when we can see it from the other side as well. You know, mm. um, you know that 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 that's powerful, man. You know, and and did you find like like did you find being that young and coming to that realization and like all your friends are out partying, they're they're drinking, and it's like why? How come they can do that and I can't? Like you know, like did you find that difficult? Like knocking the party scene on the head and leaving that kind of lifestyle behind and. That, that the kind of that friend the parties with the friends and things like that and to to become like to and to come to that realization that drinking just wasn't for you. Yeah, yeah, like a hundred percent. It was partly aided by the fact that um, uh, you know one one of the things that softened it was that not that many people wanted to um, party with me anymore. You know that way. Like, and there was. I was probably a bit paranoid at that stage that once I started getting a sniff, that sniff, that sort of people, you know, you know, were like, oh, I was a fucking gobshite. I, I then was. The other thing as well, did you find the fact that you're, say, you're, what you said about your mom, you know, being in, in, having a drinking problem, did you find that heightened your awareness as well to say, right, this, this, you, you knew a lot about alcoholism because of your mom, where you, you kind of had a heightened sense of awareness about it to see the problem? Yeah, yeah, it dev- like it. Yes and no, because I mean, I had seen so much, like, how I, I'd seen so much of the damage that alcohol does. I'd seen it my whole life, but I still picked up a drink. The first time I picked up a drink, I was twelve. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and uh, you know the the ego and the the ego is so strong that that's not me. You know that way I I uh, I'm much stronger than that. Thinking that it's something to deal with having a strong personality that you know i'm much stronger than that i'd never i'd never end up like that because that's weak people end up like that yeah. another way yeah um but uh what was i saying um oh yeah but like being young and and the fucking the loneliness was horrific at 21 like and um i remember going to going to you know pre i, I went out a lot I, I went. Remember going to pre-drinking sessions, and I, I'd say, oh, "I'm going to go to the pre-drinking because people, people don't get as drunk as you know at the club. Everybody, nobody can talk. Nobody can. Everybody's everybody starts repeating the same stories. I'll go to the pre-drinking, and I go to the pre-drinking, and I remember having to leave. I remember having to leave on my own when everybody was, you know, obviously on a night out, people are getting more ramped up as the night goes on, and I remember having to leave, and I had to leave because. There was a person who was on his way 
who, um, you know, who didn't want to see me because of my behavior when I was drinking. And uh, I, I remember, I remember walking, walking. And it was in, it was in a, it was quite a distance away from where I lived. And I remember, like, I could, I was supposed to just jump in a taxi and go straight home. And I remember walking, like, most of the way home, if not. Yeah, no, I walked about half the way home before I got in a taxi because I was so fuming and I was so disturbed, you know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, it was, yeah, it was lonely, but, jeez, I'm glad I didn't, I didn't, I never, I never, I, I didn't pick up, you know that way, thank God. Um, but, yeah, I, I had kind of, my, like, again, like I say, my ego is so, like, strong that anger got me a long way in terms of not, picking up like the fuck you I, I won't I won't drink again and, I'll show you and, yeah and and I'd put me like <clears throat> when I first stopped drinking you know the way you put yourself in this sort of you can end up or you know partially through your own fault you can end up in this you know spiritual superiority or this moral superiority very quickly you know that way where <clears throat> people start to look at you as the great lad who doesn't drink aren't you great you you gave up the drink, aren't you? Great. I don't know how you do it. Like when people, yeah. when people are like slurping a can of bombers in front of you, and, and uh, I don't know how you do it. You know that way. Um, you know, so I like my ego would have not let me drink when I when I then felt that people thought this about me. You know that way. So that sort of like sick behavior, that unwellness sort of to a degree, you know, stopped me from picking up long enough till I got well, you know, that way. Mm. Until 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 I got some more um solid sound reasons to, to you know, like until I started actually like realizing that you are destroying yourself and uh with with, with alcohol and with your behavior and um you know if if you had any sort of you know self-esteem or dignity or self-respect or love for yourself that's why you why you'd do the work to stop you know that way that's the reason that's the real reason to do it is because you, you know you're you, in the words of l'oreal you're worth it you know that way <laughs> you, you are you, you you deserve it you know that way you deserve to not to not behave like that you know you don't have to do that you were saying there like about people saying oh geez fair play to give her up so young but it is like it would be I suppose just given the Irish culture and the art, the, the Irish party scene, it's like how do you bond with your friends at the weekend? Is it you go out and you get shit faced with them, and then yeah, you know, and then and it's so difficult, like, I suppose, someone being 21 just to stop and be like, Well, you, you, you can't be do that, like, you have to, you have to, you can't go out with us at the weekend because you have a mm. problem, and just to look at that, and then to, to come to that realization that you can't, and just kind of say, Right, this is just not my lifestyle, like, it does take a lot. Like, I do take mm-hmm. that off to anyone who can kind of change their lifestyle at that young age because the odds are against well, you me. did it to me. Yeah, I was, t- I was 20. You, you know what it's all about. Yeah, I was, I was 21, man. And uh, like, like you, you know, I just found that from a, like from the word go when I drank, man, drink just didn't suit me. You know, as you said, I just, I, I, and the ironic thing it was, I drank to become social. So I could, so, like, normal way that social anxiety. But ironically, I became very antisocial when I drank, mm. you know, and I got mm. into a lot of trouble when I drank. And uh, and there was the, and, and no matter how bad the consequences were, I kept going back because of the buzz and the relief and because mm. of the mates all drinking. And I had, mm. I had the wrong kind of 
influences and guidance. Like I'd have friends that you'd be like, oh yeah, well I think I have a drinking problem. Every time we drink, this happens or that happens and my family don't want me to drink. And you'd have friends, well, are you eating enough bread in between drinks? Like are you, you know, did you try only mm. drinking bulmers instead of spirits or did you try cars light or did you try saying the rosary or did you, you're not, mm. okay, you, what you need is a drink. You're, you're crazy mm. talk. You need a drink. You know, and you mm. never like, and they were the influences you had. And I was lucky as well. I, my dad was my dad was in recovery, and he kind of he kind of paved the way for me to kind of get, I suppose, find recovery at such a young age as well. And um, so it's always mm. it's always I suppose to have now people that are in recovery. But I, I knew from the word go that my man that my fucking drink and I drink did not suit me. It did not. Mm. Suit me. But I had to battle with it. It's like if you're allergic to peanuts. How long do you keep eating them until you say, look, man, you're just fucking allergic. Just accept it. Stop trying mm. to say, right, what if we try walnuts? What if we try peanut butter? What if we try peanut mm. butter flavored milkshake? Can I still get the peanuts into me? You know, it's mm. like just knocking on the head, bro. It's just... But we keep going mm. back because of the buzz and the and the relief that we feel at the end of it. Like. Well, I think, to be honest, I think, yeah, the relief, but I think the problem, the, the problem that I've realized the longer I've gone on um, without drink is that it's I suppose it's probably always been like this but with more of a realisation now that it's not it's not for me it's not necessarily running towards a buzz or or like the crack you know that way it's it's uh, for me it's sort of like the you know running from reality you know that way the, the not wanting to and it's like it's like people would say oh poor me you know that way, but like it's silly. Like this is really a pro- for me. What I, what I think is the core is that things just you know if I'm if I'm not um practicing if I, if I'm not if I'm not um looking after myself say um spiritually mentally and emotionally things get a bit shit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get I get a bit moany and I don't like the taste of the tea and the coffee shit over there and. You know, I get you know, things get like you know, like it's like the saturation getting turned down on the telly, you know, the way everything goes a bit black and white, yeah. and uh, and that's really the core of, of my problem or my illness, or whatever you, you want to call it. You could say that about anything that anything that we don't put the work in our time, like if you say, if we don't clean our house on a regular basis, if we don't look after our diet on a regular basis, if we don't say look after our effective fitness or the garden, you know, that to get out of hand. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll get out of hand. Mm-hmm. You're not going to catering mm-hmm. for them on a regular basis and, and kind of maintaining mm-hmm. them and whatever that may be, be it maintaining your mental health or your your spirituality or your or in this purpose of the topic we're talking about is your sobriety or your recovery. Mm-hmm. That you're doing the things to maintain that to keep it at a healthy level. I mean, the, the problem is is that most people who like most people who are dealing with addiction or, or whatever alcoholism and probably just life in general you know they don't even realize that you know the behavior like the you know um of like do you not realize that you know nothing's really changed but you just think it's a bit shit and do you not realize that now you are using um a b or c to turn up the volume on that or to turn the color on that you know the way and the, the the problem is is that the thing that you're using to turn the color on is actually making it all worse in the long term you know in the in the short medium or long term yeah. and um you know developing 
healthy habits. Now I say healthy habits, like for me, there's a very limited amount of solutions for me. Do you know that way for, for my specific problem with alcoholism, there's a very limited amount of solutions in, in what I've explored in the 11 years that I've not drank alcohol. For that specific problem, there's a very limited solution. Now, when it comes to mental health, general mental health, there's probably tons of solutions. Do you know that way? Oh, I haven't I haven't explored all of them. And, you know, go on YouTube or online and you'll, you know, throw a rock and you'll find a solution. Do you know that way? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when, when my experience it is, you know, there's, there, there's kind of like a, to a point, there's, a, there's been a, a, a mixing and a melting of, of um, recovery and 12-step with, with, with general mental health. And there is crossover. But when it comes to substance and not having to take a drink, for me, take a drink primarily, um, there is a, you know, there's a limited, that's, that's, that's specific for me, you know, that way. Mm. Now, I still have to, I have to exercise. I, so I have to get out of my head and into my body. Um, I have to have some sort of connection with, you know, something greater than myself, whether it's God or higher power or whatever. Um, I have to, you know, I have to sort of watch my behavior with my relationships. There's lots of, you know, yeah. stuff like, uh, you know, jumping in the sea or, or going for a run or lifting a few weights or watching your diet. That's all, that's all extremely important and crucial. But like what I say, when it comes to, for me, for addiction, substance, alcohol, um, there's a very specific um, solution that I found in 12-step in um, recovery, you know, the way. And uh, I think it's important to clarify that because, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there, there can, there, a problem can occur when, when if, if somebody's dying of, of alcoholism, which happens every day, yeah. and, uh, and they, they, you know, they, they can get a, a message about, well, maybe you should do this for your mental health. Do you know that way? Mm. And, uh, and they, they, it's, you know, when there's, a, when there's a very successful, specific solution for yeah. alcoholism, you know that way? That'll, that'll keep them off the rope, you know that way? Yeah. Um, that's and that's real, you know. Yeah. But that's and, that, that's, that's, and that's, I suppose yeah. it can start sometimes at like mental health is poor mental health may be the issue, and then alcohol becomes a coping mechanism that we're getting that short term gratification, just getting the relief of how I suppose uh, savage that our mind has got, and we can use yeah. I suppose drinking as an unhealthy coping mechanism and toast that's where Indeed, the yeah, yeah. addiction can start as well yeah exactly you know? yeah. And, and and you said as well like so i suppose changing your your lifestyle and also your your community in terms of having a healthy people around you. and you say when you go to like a 12-step program usually you'll meet people that are on the same buzz and around the same age because i think you, you look you knocked it on the head and i think a few months later you and a crowd of of uh other guys in recovery has climbed up Mount Everest a few months later. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think I was about two years, two years after I knocked uh, on the head. But there was, I was still, I was still like one of the youngest. Um, yeah, there was, uh, well, maybe it was three of us that were, well, two of us that were in recovery that were quite young. Yeah. Um, I would have been 23. The other person would have been 24. 23 24 yeah um 
But yeah, yeah, we done that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and, uh, fifteen of us or something. I think. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, like the contrast of, like when I think of myself now, when you, you at the start of the podcast we were talking about, like there's always someone more soft than you. But have you ever compared myself to anyone? It's I compare myself to the person I was when I first changed, turned my life around. You know, eight years ago, mm. the person I was mm. then to the person I was now. You know. Yeah, and it's it's important to reflect on that because it's very easy to, it's very easy to get lost in. I'm like again, I'm not enough. You know that way. Yeah. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And I mean, if you reflect on where you're coming from, you shouldn't even be where you are. You know that way. You should be. You should be in a gutter, locked up, or dead. You know that way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's an important reflection. I think you know. Yeah, and that's powerful, man. But like, even like you, you like you knocked the drink in the head, the partying lifestyle, <clears throat> and then you just tried. Like you went. You followed your dream, becoming a barber, and then you set up like your own business and all. Like, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I stopped stopped drinking in um, September two thousand nine, and I was a bum. Um, I was living in a transitional uh, accommodation, which is which was basically owned by a charity that provided accommodation for people who were sort of falling between the cracks in the the council housing department so you know that way they, they provided like an apartment that somebody could live in for like two years while they were waiting to get a house off the i was a bum I, I, mm-hmm. I had come out of the care system in a very um disturbing and abrupt manner um and uh I ended up, I was officially homeless. Um, I just so happened to know somebody in the, in the council, um, in the housing department that, that was able to help me and got me this place. Anyway, I was a bum. I was, I was on, the, I was on uh, like the equivalent of the doll, but it was a student thing where you, I was getting paid to go and do that PLC that I was talking about. Yeah. Um, so I could quit and hunt them. I couldn't, I, could, I couldn't even afford the bills, you know, that way. Um, anyway, I, I was doing this business PLC um, and again, I was not able to apply myself, even though I wasn't drinking, my head was mangled. I didn't want to do it. Um, and come Christmas, I was like, oh, right, I'm dropping out and I'm going back. I'm, I'm going to wait till next September, which I had done the previous year, wait until this September. I'm waiting till next September and I'm going to go back and I'm going to become an art teacher. That's what I was going to do. I was going to become an art teacher in school. And uh, this was in Christmas and, uh, Come February, I needed a job, and somebody, a friend of mine, said, oh, "I was down in that. There's a new, uh, new graft and barbers there in Black Rock, and and your man said he's looking for apprentices." And uh, I walked in the door a couple of days later, and um, said, "What's the crack?" And he was like, "Yeah, no problem. Start tomorrow." And uh, that's where it started. Uh, went to, you know, work there. There was periods, of, like I was working as an apprentice. I was 21. Again, my ego, like I, my ego was horrific. Like it was massively taken, was damaged because here I was thinking I was a great lad and I was sweeping hair. Uh, there was young lads, you know, coming in from Blackrock College who I would have had, I would have had a, a prejudice against, of, you know, they're posh or they're rich or they're entitled or they've, they've got, they've been privileged compared to where I've come from. So there was this massive uh, imbalance in, in terms of my uh, self-esteem. My self-esteem was, was, was dog shit. And, you know, I was, I was having to take their bags, like young lads, 16, 
17, 14, taking their bags, offering them cups of tea. And uh, anyway, I managed, I, I mean, I, I kept doing the work in recovery and I managed to stick at it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I eventually, I, I'd done that for nine months. And after nine months, I was allowed, uh, I was allowed cut hair on the floor. And uh, sort of for then, I, I ended up progress, progressing to a point where I was, you know, able to, um, I was I was asked to manage the shop and I was doing all, you know, I was developing all these skills and I was becoming, I was sort of becoming self-actualized where I was starting to come up. I was starting to just awaken whatever potential I, I had, you know, that way. Um, I was, I had a knack for hair. I had an under, I had a natural sort of understanding of shape. And, you know, because I liked hair and I was into my own hair I, and I'd experimented with my own hair so much that I had an idea of how other people's hair would move if I pushed it this way or cut it that way. So you know, I was sort of, sort of came naturally to me. So I, I got I got caught at it relatively quick. Um, well, Bar- Barbara at the time was a... Um, well, Barbara was very much looked upon as a much lower than hairdressing. Um, at the time, people were hair- wearing their hair longer um, the idea of going to a barber was you you know you went to some shop shop and they they butchered you and you just waited until it grew back and that would be fine um, but going to a hairdresser was you know I used to go to a hairdresser I went to Tony and Guy when I was in sixth year you know what I mean when I was when I was 17, 18 I was going to Tony and Guy and Peter Marks to get my hair cut because I didn't trust barbers and uh, and then yeah I, I got, I got caught cutting hair I, I worked in that shop for four years and, and then I decided to go traveling and I've done Southeast Asia, Thailand, Laos, Vietnam. Um, met my met my current wife in Vietnam. Who uh, she's not Vietnamese. You were um, uh, boy with great respect for that because you're like you a couple of years sober. You're in your mid twenties and you went on that trip on your own. Like you went solo. You went on a solo backpacking trip. Four yeah, about, about four years sober. Yeah, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was ready. I think I was ready, you know. Um, I done a, I had done a lot of work at that stage, and um, and tell us, know, how did that feel like going like on your own traveling? Yeah, uh, exciting, terrifying, exciting. Um, you know, as as much of a, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm an absolute know it all, you know, that way, and I think I know everything, and uh, as much as I as I as I think I know, I remember arriving in Bangkok having. Um, booked three nights in in the D and D on the Kosan Road, and uh, arriving and being like, "Yeah, this is great," and then being like, "Oh my god!" I had a, I had a had a room booked on my own, so I wasn't staying in a hostel, and I was like, I wasn't I wasn't drinking, so I wasn't even really going out after eight o'clock, so and which which is when everybody else goes out. I was like, I'm never going to meet anybody or have any travel experience you know i'm never going to meet uh travel buddies or make friends or have those you know that way because um because i'm not drinking and uh i was terrified i ended up uh, you know everything you know everything everything's a, a learning curve but i ended up booking like a dodgy um uh sort of package trip around um laos and vietnam and thailand and uh, i went in and paid for it in one lump and um because I was kind, I done that out of fear that like I got I got brought to this travel agent 
and you know the typical toy scam don't, don't go into the travel agents don't go into the suit shops don't go into the the gem factories i went to the travel agents and and when i went to the travel agents there was a a group of welsh girls and um they were booking the trip ahead of me and the guy that was booking the trip was welsh the the estate the, the travel agent and there was a kiwi guy so they seemed legit and like these girls were in there they were about to go and they looked like they were you know gonna have a great time and i was like oh there'll be young people like me that are on this trip because they've just been blah 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 anyway put a lot of money down well not a lot of money enough and uh, uh booked it in and you know off i went and you know from then i was sort of booked into shitty little places but they were fine um uh and I got to see places and I was getting on and off buses and, you know, I, I got on the, you know, I'd done the sleeper train to Chiang Mai and I, I, first stop in Chiang Mai, I ended up meeting a couple of Dutch guys, brothers, sound fellas on a, an elephant trek. And uh, we were on the same path in terms of like our, that we were going in the same direction. So we met up in all the different towns and we, then we kind of stuck together and it's great, amazing experience and um, met loads of other people um met my wife like i say in, in ho chi minh she was a, a, a primary school teacher in an international school out there at the time and uh yeah then i yeah, got to thailand go in though man you have to tell us how how did you actually meet your wife it's a funny story <laughs> i was very romantic and she was uh, being attacked she was being mugged she was actually being mugged and i fended off four guys with knives <laughs> and a gun and uh and uh yeah so i mean she swooned, but uh, <laughs> no, it was uh, it was it was very it was very uh, modern and progressive for the time. Uh, it was Tinder, of course, <laughs> uh, as you know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, thanks for thanks for dragging that one but, out. But the funniest thing about it was it was Tinder, but also when Tui's match, you were staying in the same hostel in Vietnam. No, no, not true. Oh. I was in it. I. I was in a, she was, she was living in Vietnam. So she was in like, compared to what I'd been staying in, she was living in this swanky apartment. Okay. And I was, I matched with her on Tinder when I was sleeping in a fucking, in a, in a capsule, which I think you must have stayed in a capsule at some stage. We stayed in a few capsules, man. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Well, this was, this was early doors when capsules were first in Japan. That's when the capsules came out. They're actually really cool. Like, like just for anyone that's listening, they're like a chest of drawers. Your bed's a chest of drawers. <laughs> you know, Stella column, Stella. Yeah, Stella hostels. And you climb in and you pull You climb in, you're in this like little square and you're just, and then you pull over the door and you're in this tiny little thing. It's your bed and you have a few pro- mm. phone and stuff like that. But like, they're cozy and they're comfy and they're like about five or a night or something. And some of them are really Yeah, cool. yeah. They- yeah, they they were and they were quite. I think it was maybe eight euros or something a night where I was at that time. But also there is the the thing that I mean, in a bad situation, if one of your capsule neighbors happens to be a psychopath who wants to stab someone, you you're gonna look like dinner. You know what I mean? Like you're. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's that's also available to you, but yeah, no, it was <laughs> fine for me. It was, but she was yeah, like living in a in a real in a nice apartment, um, and. Uh, yeah, we matched on Tinder and we went on a lovely romantic date. On we were on uh, two rooftops, uh, rooftop barbecue on Ho Chi Minh, and uh, yeah, it was great. Ho Chi Minh man is, is. I remember getting a taxi moped there, and it was such a bubble. Mm. Like, actually, really, the first time we done it from the airport, 
Like the one thing I fell in love with, man, was taxi mopeds when I was traveling Vietnam. Because I remember getting mm. on taxis and say, just go. He said, where do you want to go? I said, I don't know, just go. And like you'd just fly through the city. You'd be flying on mopeds. You'd be flying around buses. And, and it was just insane. But it was a great buzz. Like. Mm. Ho Chi Minh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, Ho Chi Minh is probably, probably my favorite place in Asia um, in terms of probably because of the memories that I have there with Michelle but yeah. um, but also it's just a beautiful city like it's uh, there's still like a real there's a real depth of culture still in Ho Chi Minh in terms of like the the French um, sort of influence um, mm-hmm. colonialist influence and then the the Vietnamese the, the blend of that is just you know even though it comes from a pretty horrific um, colonization or you know um, you had the American war that invasion. was in where you had the the Viet Cong and, and the tunnels and things like that as well. That wasn't too far from Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, the Coochie tunnels, yeah. Mm. Um, but the, the, the blend of all of that sort of history and it, it's still a lot of it's still very much alive and well there, you know, the way. So, like, the bread is great and the cheese is great and the, the people are lovely and, um, you know, it's, it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but and, yeah. and that's powerful. So like you done all that, and you were sober, and you were like, on like the like Vietnam, Thailand, and you know Leo, they're all the hostels are catered and designed for people on like mad party sessions. And I always find it really cool to be able to do go to, do all that stuff and do it sober that you don't need to drink that you can go out and like have the crack and you don't need to get yourself in a, like a jock and then wake up the next day and miss that excursion mm. that you booked or spend the day in your deck and in your capsule hostel or your capsule bed and like yeah. you know that oh, you yeah, can yeah. go and do going and going backpacking sober. Like are incredible, like you know, and I know that. But I suppose I'll reveal this about myself that some people now will be on. I'm in, on a twelve step program, and I go to twelve step meetings, and I'm, one of the benefits of that is I'm able to go to twelve step meetings around the world and make friends abroad. So like I remember having a friend that lived in America, you know, and they went to visit him there in California, and uh, I was going to twelve step meetings, and uh, I had a guy come up to the house collecting me from the front door and bringing me to meetings and he was like man I've been here like five years I barely know my neighbours you're here a fucking few days and you're like the mayor yeah well that's very much you like Colin there is Irish Colin hey man it's like you know so it's like beneficial that it's going to work no matter where you go that you have that advantage of kind of getting to know people and talking to people yeah well, like the, the Americans love the Irish as well funny enough like it's not it's true, you know what I mean. There's a, they have this. Weird, I think they still think there is. I think they, there's some sort of mysticism around Irish people that Americans still think that we might be leprechauns. You know that way. Like, man, it's so funny. Like it's like oh, my my sister's auntie's cat's goldfish's left shoe was Irish, so that makes me twenty one fifth Irish. And it's a, uh, I know the Americans yeah. are great though. The gas, but it is that thing. That literally, some people think there's a. Leprechauns yeah. exist, and uh, like, and for me, like, uh, like I, I've had experiences with uh, some American people who you, you interact with, and they think that you're you're going to be this mad Irish caricature, you know, the way that you're going to be great at crack, and you've got all the jokes, and uh, you must be a great man on the piss, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not actually yeah. that fun. I'm a yeah. little, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> 
You won't. And, you won't. And isn't like it me. mad? Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that when I was traveling in in, in in Asia as well. I was saying hostels and like, oh, you're Irish. You must be a mad drinker. And I, I'm there with my my yeah. cup of tea, nine o'clock at my Barry's yeah. tea bag. Going, eh, well, well, not keep, quite. Keep it down, lads. Yeah, lads, keep it down. Come on, sipping here on the chamomile tea, trying to do yoga. You know, it is. It's mad. What is that? I suppose it's the Irish fucking stigma, you know, that, but that's not all fucking wrong, in fairness, though. No, it is, man. And be able to go and do that backpacking and do it sober and do it like with a good, healthy, I suppose, perspective and a good, healthy mind where you're like, really, what? Like, there's no nothing holding you back. You just want to go and kind of embrace that curiosity mm. and see the world. And, you know, like, I'd, I'd go places and I'd, I'd ask, like, like a lot of the hostels that I stayed in when I was traveling, they'd have all these deadly little excursions already set up. So if you want to go on a walking tour or you want to say, for instance, when I was in Coteau, they don't mm. uh, dive in. If you want to go in, or if you want to rent a moped, or if you want to go to the elephant sanctuary, or you want to go see temples, so it's, it's it, like it's traveler yeah. paradise, you know, backpack paradise because everything's yeah, kind of set easy, up. Yeah. You just need to show the, up. the thing, like, I mean, it, yeah. not to sort of um, but like there was you know, there was it wasn't all gravy like when I traveled you know I went like it was di- parts of it were difficult you know the way like parts of it were difficult not drinking and like I say at this particularly at the start when you're trying to figure out that sort of like you know it was you know moments where I'm not I'm not like everybody and everybody's here drinking everybody's drinking and everybody drinks like like I used to and I'm not going to be able to you know there's there was times like that you know the way where you yeah. do feel alienated you know and the thing is is that you know for yeah. me I don't have a choice. Like I, you know, I drink and I wreck the place or I wreck my life, you know, the way. So it's the choice is to do that or to not drink. And it's, it's always better when I don't, you know, the way. So, uh, but yeah. you know, it's possible to go and do, like you say, it is possible to go and do all of those things, you know, the way, but it's not without some difficulty and pushback. And I, I, I you know, you are a lot more confident when you were here and when you were going around, you were a lot more confident than what I was. And partially as a personality thing that you're, you're, you're a lot more extrovert than me. I, I'm quite introverted. I don't do well in crowds. I prefer one-to-one conversations. You always said, huh? you always said it was a bollocks. Uh, well, you know, you are, but you're an extroverted bollocks. <laughs> I don't know what you assume that that opinion has changed, but, uh, <laughs> the uh, but and uh, there's there's that element, but also like the internet, me like, I what was I what was I using when I came, actually I think I had an I had an iPhone when I came away, um, but the like the access that you have to like everything is Googleable now, you know that way, um, and that that's a new word that I made up, Googleable, uh, Googler, Google Googler, um, the uh. You know what I mean, and everything, everything's online now. When I when I came here, you could Google stuff, and you could you could do TripAdvisor and 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 Agoda and stuff, but it didn't have the same level of information mm. about everything as it does now. Like you can find out what your one's cooking yeah. on the side of the street, like the street, like there's literally here where I live, there's street cars that are that have that are on like um a thing called grab food or food panda the equivalent of just eat at home yeah. so you can order you know what i mean that's yeah. how that's how accessible the internet but is does, does even 
there's even like meetup apps for other solo travelers to meet up and do yeah. things together. Like if you want to go to Bangkok and see the temples, like there's apps you can download to meet other people who mm. are solo traveling and you can go and see all these things yeah. together and all. Yeah, and it's there's, mad. there's a regard to twelve step as well. There's there's a lot more meetings. When I when I was here, it, they were yeah. they were thin on the ground, you know that way, and a, a lot of them were like some of them. Well, some of the ones that I went in some places. You know, we're just like these weird sort of outposts of, you know, old guys who are, you know, just bringing it, I'm just showing up. Now it's just like, now it's, now it's as good as a home, you know, that way it's as accessible and it's as um popular, you know, that way. Yeah. But like when, so when you doing all that traveling and you have your business, no, I didn't have a business. very successful. Did you not no, have the no. business this day? Was that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before, yeah. Well, not way before, actually. Sorry. Okay. No, it was actually, it was the same year. I uh, uh, went traveling in 2013, December. And I okay. done sort of uh, three months around Asia. And then I done three months in um, New Zealand. I worked in New Zealand as a barber. Um, and I was in a place called Christchurch, which was yes. sort of... I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. I and it was, it, Christchurch had been destroyed by obviously a massive earthquake a couple of years, two or three years before I got there, and it was still very slow to come back. Um, while I was there, there was a massive housing shortage because they had opened up all the borders to um, tradespeople from all around the world to get them in to to, to rebuild Christchurch. So you had Christchurch was was popping okay. with. Just tradies, like with 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 um, what do you call what do you call them in Ireland? Tradies, um, builders, yeah, yeah cowboys. cowboys, yeah, cowboys. Tradesmen. Now, come here, Jay, Jay. Just a quick one, right? Just anyone listening, like anyone that has a fear. Obviously, now we're talking like post coronavirus, but just anyone that has like that fear of wanting to get up and travel and walk abroad, like what that's preventing them. Like, what advice would you give them? Um, do your research. Or even just to travel. Do your research. Um, it depends, mate. It's so, like, it depends. It depends on where you're coming from, you know, that way. Um, Make sure, you know, just make sure you know what you're getting into. Like, it it depends. Like, do you have a family? Are you you single? Do you, you know what I mean? How much money are you making now? Where are you going in your career? If you've got nothing going on, you can still have nothing going on on the other side of the world. The other way, it makes no difference. You can have nothing going on on the other side of the world and, and experience the other side of the world. That was kind of the position I was in. You know, the way when I finished up the job that I was in, I was, I was, I had intended on only going to another job to do the same thing. So why couldn't I go and do that on the other side of the world? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. But not not everywhere is. It's not. It's not easy to work everywhere in the world. It's not easy to get work permits. You know, the way a lot of places. A lot of places you have mm. to have a degree now, you know. Um, um, but obviously you can still do Australia, Canada, New Zealand, um, America. No go. You can do a, a J one, but it's you know it's not the same. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's. I mean, but like I say, if 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 you've got nothing going on, the other the other thing is as well. Like a, one of the things that I learned as well was that, you know, if you're not, you know if I wasn't making progress or if I wasn't going anywhere or if things were starting to get a bit stagnant for me, particularly when I was younger, uh, I was sober. I, I you know, I, I had my wits about me. I had enough sort of 
I had enough sort of education to, uh, I mean, I mean, life experience to to pick up to throw myself back into the into the lion's den, you know that way. And that's kind of what I was always doing. Was yeah. that when things got very stagnant for me in in the job that I was in, you know, I could have worked there for the rest of my life if I wanted, you know, and made made maybe okay money, but I didn't like it, and uh, I was bored. And, I, you know, it was sort of creatively, I was completely stagnant. And, uh, uh, you know, for me, it was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you know, I've got solid accommodation here. I've got a solid job. I've got, you know, I can go to the gym over there and I have me, me 12 step over here and I have this friend and that friend. But I'm not, it's, there's not really much opportunity to learn or grow. And I kind of, to a point, threw myself back into the in, into the the lion's den, you know that way. Um, to you know, and and sometimes that's necessary, you know that way. Sometimes that's particularly when you have the luxury of doing it. Do it while you have the luxury of doing it. That's what I would suggest, because it doesn't there's an expiry date on it. Do you know that way? To a point, particularly mm-hmm. if you've got a fa- if you've got a family, or you're at the age you're about to have a family. Or you've got a missus that doesn't want to do that. Who also who does have a career that they want to stay in? All of that is gonna is is you know that way it's different. It makes things different. Do you feel that there's a limit on the age you can travel? Like say you're mid like whatever, and you haven't got them boundaries of kids or families to hold you back. Do you think that age should does come into it in terms of when you can travel? No, absolutely not. But like like I said, it's circumstance. You know that way it's you know. Not every, not everybody does have the luxury. But if you do, take advantage of it. Like I say, if if it makes no difference, you mm-hmm. might as well see the world. You know. Um, yeah. And it is it's such a freeing experience, and it just yeah. it opens your perspective so much as well. That like when I came home, I just seen seen other parts of the world and seen, I suppose, different cultures, different societies. You know, even seeing poverty, and that made me so grateful for the life that I have here. In you know, right when you see like proper poverty, and you're like, "Wow, you know, like this, like," and you come home and you see the pro- pro- not only that, but I remember having this experience where I seen a kid who was like homeless, and like you know, and his family were homeless, and just this big massive smile on their faces like they were so happy and it was because they just weren't observed into that uh, they were wrapped up into that uh, materialistic kind of yeah. buzz like you know they were just so happy in the present and happy in the moment and happy for the simple things like this was in Bali you know and uh, I just thought it was so powerful yeah I mean there is there's a in sort of Buddhist and, and, and Hindu culture like uh, there is there's a lot of acceptance that people have around their their circumstance, you know. That way, I don't think, particularly in in like people who are poor or below a certain sort of uh, economic sort of point, they don't have the same um, ambition as we do. Because realistically, we're, me and you aren't from like from from the same ratio or proportionately. Me and you are from a similar demographic as the poor people here. Do you know what I mean? In terms of where they sit in society, but in Ireland, there's so there's more there's more opportunity to get out of it, or we've been promised that that there's an opportunity to get out of it. Now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why we have this outward of I, I'm I'm gonna go and do that, or I'm gonna go and get that, and I can have that, and I've been promised that that's that I'm entitled to that. 
You know what I mean? That's the way. That's the that's the Western world. That's that's what America promised us. As, um, what you know the way? That's what you know. That's what the Western world is about. You know, you can work your way out. You can work your way to freedom. You can work your way to financial um, freedom and success. And uh, it's it's not as true in the West as it used to be. You know that way. It's much more difficult to do that in the West. And and to be honest, I identify like me and you could identify much more with the people who are of a you know a low, lower social standard here than 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 any than that certainly than more, than the higher social standard, which is frustrating when you live here, because even though you know we we we. Are, are lucky enough to lo- live in a lucky, lovely apartment, and you know we have enough money to buy the food we want and stuff. We're not rich; we don't own a house. In other way, and but the there's certain Thai people that look at us as if like we're the the one percent. In other way, or we're the elites, and we're just not. We just it just we happen to have been born in a certain part of the world where now in this part of the world they value what my wife can do. You know that way for a particular set of skills. Um, so it can be it can be difficult mm. when you're like yeah you're dealing with Thai people when you live here you, you see some some people who uh, who think you know they, they they look at you the way I would have like I said earlier the way I would have been looking at young lads from Black Rock College in that way or oh, they they think they're better yeah. than me yeah yeah it's all like yeah, yeah it's how do you like you're living abroad now. You've recently had a kid. You went through like the so it's the health services over there. That he was the hospital over there having a kid. Like how how do you find like living a, an Irish couple living abroad? Like it's fine. Um, you know, it's we're like I said, we're very very lucky. There's there's somewhat of an expat bubble. You know that way. Um, we we kind of okay, we hang around yeah. with um all of our friends, kind of our our teachers. Um. Uh, connected to the school pretty much um, we've got a really nice bunch of friends and we socialize together Michelle works with them obviously and and uh, it, like with things like health insurance it's covered by the schools um, you know there's a, there's there's a, a really good salary cost of living is a lot cheaper here in, in a lot of respects um, so mm-hmm. we can live on one salary for the moment Um yeah, I mean it's 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 great. It's very comfortable, but um, you you miss things about home as well. You know the way, like you know. What? Well, for me, miss? I miss I miss being able to sort of uh, uh, there there is there is a. a you miss me? Know, I only seen you the other month. <laughs> but the, I, I miss I miss I miss having the opportunity to sort of develop on other aspects, you know, that way, like a, you know, work wise and stuff. Like uh, like I'm trying to I'm currently studying to to uh, pivot into graphic design, and you know I'm I'm walking away from Barbara and um, and uh, I'm I'm studying I'm doing an online um college degree from from a, a an open college in the UK and um. You know, it's it's difficult. You know, the way I'd like to be in a job, learning, progressing, working, making money, pushing. You know, the way, and you just I can't do it here. It's not I, I can't I can't because I I can't work here. I'm not allowed to work here. I don't have a degree. And barbering is you. First of all, it's on a list of jobs that you're not allowed to work in here. And uh, even if I did, there's very very little money to be made in it. Even if you're good, um, so it it would be pointless. But um. So that that's difficult. And would you guys? 
would you guys ever consider? Yeah, coming we're, home? We're, we're coming back. Or we're is, coming back. Uh, we're coming back in uh, July. Yeah, well, not not to not to Ireland. We're going back to the UK. Yeah. Oh, so uh, our our son mm. was was Harrison was diagnosed with Down syndrome um, twelve weeks after he was born. Or sorry, twelve weeks. Um, twelve weeks in pregnancy or whatever. Um, we found out um, he had Down syndrome. So there's not a, a whole load of services here for him and he will need, he'll need like, uh, you know, occupational therapy and physiotherapy, speech and language, all that sort of stuff. And, and it's just not, it's, it's not, there's not a load of it here. So, um, and we're, you know, we're, we, we, we really need the support of Michelle's parents as well. So we need, we need that family sort of any of the research that we've done in like, you know, how to best um, rare a child with Down syndrome. Every success story is, we built a community around them. So family, friends, um, sports, mm. clubs, um, all that sort of stuff. And it's not going to be, it, it, they don't, it, they just don't have them here. So, um, so that's what we're doing. We're going to come back. I'm hoping to get a job in graphic design, some sort of junior position in, in graphic design. And, uh, Michelle will get a job as a teacher and we'll be in the UK. Beautiful, man. What, what part of the UK? Um, it's, a, it's outside of Northamptonshire place called Daventry yeah okay so um yeah that's gonna be that so uh, you know I've, I've, I've loads of fears about going back about not not getting a position the position that I want and all that sort of stuff but um it's the right thing to do you know that way so we we kind of we sealed a deal on the decision uh, last week um and uh We'd been we'd intended to do it for a few months, so um, yeah, I work we're kind of looking forward to it, you know, like a uh, looking forward to like some of the home comforts of like you know your favorite chocolate in Tesco's or whatever, you know. Do you actually have Tesco in yeah, Thailand? Yeah, it's, it's dirt though. It's rubbish. Did you go into it? <laughs> it's like Tesco value. It's Tesco. Awful. It's awful. <laughs> It's like they load oh. stuff into the roof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're always, always more of a 7 Eleven man in Thailand. They love the toasties yeah, yeah, in there, man. A big hit. And the coffee was good. Yeah, no, man. Look at Jason. It's been an absolute beautiful podcast. It's probably, it's been one of the longest podcasts I've done, man. And like, I'd, I'd, I'd fucking go on all yeah, day doing it. Yeah, it's been nice, man. And you'd like to close on? Um, no. Thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate you having me on. Um, I hope any of the stuff that I've shared would, would be of benefit to somebody else who finds they might have been in the same, similar situations. Um, and that there is mm-hmm. a solution in there, out there, that I, I was able to find in, in 12 Step. And, uh, you know, life, life, uh, life after addiction um, isn't always easy, but it's definitely worth it. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there's another way, you know the way. Yeah, man, that's a look at two of us giving up drinking our yeah. early twenties, went from a, a drunken mess to sober Metabolic mess. Metabolic and everything else, then. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, but it's powerful, man. And, like to summarize that whole podcast, you know, like 
you're like you're a phenomenal human being you know to give up alcohol in your early 20s you then went traveling you know you you, you overcame you know you met like you got, you got this bogey traveling trip but you still overcame that an amazing experience went on to work in new zealand as a barber then came home and set up your own business it's got got married and then decided, you know what, I actually want to go abroad. And, you know, and you worked, you, you went abroad to Thailand and uh, had a baby, you know, and uh, now you're coming home to, well, come, going back to the UK. And, you know, I, I, like just, man, just, yeah, you're just such a, you're just a phenomenal human being, man. And I have so much admiration for you. You're yeah. an arsehole, <laughs> but you're such a respect. I, I respect you so much. Thanks very much, Callum. You're a great lad too. And I, I'm glad that I'm glad that I was such an inspiration. I'm glad that it was such an inspiration to you. And if only you uh, you copied me more, then you know I think you do. I think you do really well. So what you should do is uh, pack, pack in all of that fucking running and Ironman shit, right? Get a load of cakes from Tesco's. Put on. You probably need to put on about ten kilos to be anywhere near my sort of quality. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> yeah. The blind leading the blind, indeed. Huh? No, it's great talking to you, mate. I really appreciate you having yeah. me on. Well, look at when you get home, man. Hopefully, you do, do a little split off to Ireland. I'm gonna drag you down to the ocean. I will, of for course. A day. Yeah, I'll go and watch you. Okay. <laughs> go on. Go on, man. Bye, Thanks bye, a million, bye, man. Bye, bye. Keep your head up. Keep your heart.